0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Himalaya.
2: You're listening to Think Like an Economist, a Himalaya learning production.
0: For exclusive content like bonus episodes and supplemental materials for this podcast and others like it, Go to Himalaya.com econ and enter promo code econ, E-C-O-N, at checkout to get your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist.
2: I've got some really important advice for anyone who's ever dreamed of opening an all-you-can-eat buffet. Don't try this in a college town with a big football team.
1: Yeah, that would be a bad idea. Yeah, I try to avoid all-you-can-eat buffets because I can never eat enough food to make it worth it.
2: You're proving my point, Naz. The football team at the University of Michigan can put away buckets of food in the sitting, and definitely much more than desk jockeys like you. So they think an all-you-can-eat restaurant is a great deal, and you think it's a bad deal. And that's the problem.
0: And all-you-can-eat buffet is going to attract a lot of football players. And so you get very few people like you, Naz, with light appetites. That's going to raise the buffet's costs, forcing them to raise their prices. And that could make things worse because then light eaters really don't want to go because the buffet's going to be kind of expensive. And so the only people who think it's worth going would be football players and other people with big appetites.
2: You might think, why not just charge those people with big appetites more? But the problem is that while you know how much you'll eat, the restaurant doesn't.
0: Your appetite is private information. Private information causes a lot of problems, and it's our topic today on Think Like an Economist. I'm Betsy Stevenson.
2: And I'm Justin Wolfers. We're teaching you the supercharged super tools of economics to help transform your decision making, from whether to open a buffet restaurant to figuring out the right type of health insurance for you. Nasdaran tappacoli fire is with us.
1: So I can imagine three ways in which private information could arise. First, it could be that buyers know more than sellers, such as when restaurant customers know more about how much they're going to eat. Or possibly sellers might know more than buyers, perhaps about the quality of what they're selling. And finally, sometimes your actions are hidden, and so they're private information.
2: Yeah. And we'll deal with each of those in turn. In each case, though, we'll see that when I'm worried that you know something I don't, or you're worried that I might know something that you don't, it creates a fog of mistrust. And that mistrust makes it hard for us to do business together.
1: So first off, we're going to look at what happens when sellers know something that buyers don't.
0: If sellers know something about the quality of the goods they're
1: selling that buyers don't know or
0: can't easily find out, they might be tempted to pass off some shoddy goods. That doesn't just impact you. It impacts everybody.
2: The classic example is the market for used cars. Say, I'm selling my car and I know how well it runs. Maybe it's a bit of a dud or what people call a lemon and it takes ages to get going on a snowy day or the brakes aren't great on wet roads. You'd need to have spent many hours driving this car to know all these quirks. And if I was honest about all these problems, well, that would put you off from buying this car from me, Naz. So I could just... I could just not tell you.
1: Well, that sounds pretty unfair for me.
2: It is. But there's really no way of your learning about these problems after a quick test drive. And there's a big incentive for me not to tell you either. If you don't know about the problems, you're going to be willing to pay more for the car than if I'd been honest.
0: Justin's lack of transparency isn't just bad for you, Naz. It's bad for the whole market for cars. It's pretty common for people to sell used cars, which are lemons. And when there are so many lemons in the market, well, buyers come to expect that a lot of used cars are lemons. So imagine that I'm selling my car, but unlike Justin's car, my car has no problems and is running great. But used cars now have a bad reputation due to sellers like Justin, so buyers, they're just not going to be as willing to pay as much for my car or used cars in general as they otherwise would. Does this mean you're not going to get much money for your car? Exactly. In fact... It may not even be worth me selling my car at all, given the low price buyers are going to be willing to pay me for it. And this is what happens in the market for used cars. You end up with a lot of lemons because people like me with well-maintained cars can't get enough money for selling their cars. So they just hang on to them or give them to somebody in their family.
2: We call this the adverse selection of sellers. When people selling something have more information about its quality than people buying it, it's likely we'll end up with a lot of lower quality goods on the market. We call it adverse selection, because when sellers know more about the quality of what they're selling than buyers, then they may sell bad or adverse goods. They're more likely to sell lemons.
1: There must be things that sellers of high quality goods can do, though. Betsy, could you provide a warranty or maybe some kind of certificate from a mechanic which states that the car is running well? Yes, and warranties in particular are
0: especially helpful. Someone who's selling a lemon wouldn't want to offer a warranty. And so offering a warranty confirms that I'm selling a high quality car and that'll make people more willing to pay a fair price for it. I can now charge more for my car as I've effectively signaled that my car is worth this
1: higher price. Basically, the buyer needs to learn what the seller knows, which is whether or not they're buying a lemon.
2: Yes, and you'll see this in all sorts of ways. With some products, the government actually forces businesses to provide truthful information about the quality of what they're selling. For instance, in the U.S., medicines need to have a label that says they're cleared by the Food and Drug Administration. And so if you buy medicine with this label, then it definitely contains the stuff that the label tells you it contains.
0: You also see that you know, fruits sometimes have stickers that say they're organic. Again, not everyone can stick these on their fruit. Actually, organic farmers fought pretty hard to be able to get these stickers from the Department of Agriculture that confirms that their fruit is organic so that they can sell them at that higher premium for organic fruit.
1: So when buyers don't have information about the quality of a product, sellers can do things to confirm the quality of their product. They could provide a warranty when selling a used car or get a confirmation of quality from the government.
2: Yes, and there's another way. Sellers can also get a third-party service to verify the quality of what they're selling. Let's go back to used cars. There's a website called Carfax, which collects a lot of data about a car's ownership history, such as if it's been in an accident or any maintenance records.
0: Another way you'll see third parties confirm qualities through reviews of products and services on all sorts of websites. I don't know the quality of a food at a restaurant before I sit down for a meal, but if it serves pretty dodgy food, I'll read about it in Yelp's reviews. The same thing goes with reviews on Amazon. Potential customers can find out from other people what quality to expect from a certain business.
2: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: Now we're going to look at what happens when buyers have more information than sellers. But to start... What kind of information are we talking about?
2: We're talking about information about what kind of buyer you are. I'm going to make another recommendation to our listeners. You should never open a business offering insurance against divorce.
1: Why would you do that anyway? Divorce is really
0: stressful and it's expensive. A couple splitting up will now need two homes and they can't share and split all sorts of expenses. And divorce lawyers cost a lot too. Divorce actually puts a lot of families at risk of poverty.
2: So you'd think insurance against divorce would be really helpful. But think about it. Who's going to buy it?
1: So this is insurance against divorce. This means if you end up getting divorced, the insurance company pays you something. So I guess divorce insurance is good for people who think they're going to need this payout. So I guess people who think they're going to be getting divorced.
2: Exactly. People in stable marriages aren't going to consider getting insurance against divorce. Why pay up money for insurance you probably won't need? But if your marriage is on the rocks and you think you'll be getting divorced sometime soon, well, it makes a lot of sense to take out insurance against divorce.
1: So the only people who are going to buy this type of insurance are the sorts of people who will need it and are therefore likely to get payouts.
2: Exactly. This sort of insurance company will end up making a heck of a lot of payments.
1: This
0: is an example of adverse selection of buyers. The problem is that if you don't know what kind of customers you're getting, you'll probably get customers you don't want.
2: So if most of your customers are heading for divorce, then you're going to have to make a lot of payouts, and that means you're going to have to charge even more for this insurance to cover those costs. People in stable marriages already had very little incentive to take out this insurance, and at a higher price, they'll have even less incentive to buy it.
0: When buyers have more information about themselves and their circumstances than sellers, you'll end up having high-cost buyers interested in a product. That's going to push the price up more. It's actually a problem in the insurance market in general that high-risk people like insurance the most. Yeah, and I'm wondering, does this happen in health insurance? It's exactly what I was thinking about. You know, just as people who are headed for divorce are more likely to buy divorce insurance, you know, people who have poor health and risk big medical bills are going to be more willing to buy expensive health insurance.
2: And so the problem when companies offer health insurance is that the customers they get aren't the low-cost customers they want. They'll be getting a lot of older people in ill health rather than younger and healthier people.
0: This is a real dilemma for a health insurance company because if their customers are unhealthy, they're going to pay out a lot in medical bills. This will force them to raise their prices, which will push more healthy people to opt out of insurance, and that'll drive their prices up even higher. It can make offering health insurance so unprofitable that no one will want to offer it.
2: That's why in countries like Australia, or the UK nows, the government provides health insurance, which effectively forces everyone to buy it. In the United States, Obamacare used to require you to buy insurance or or face a fine. And the government subsidises your insurance in the US, so you might buy it even if you're healthy. It's all about trying to make health insurance attractive for everyone, not just unhealthy folks.
1: When buyers know something that sellers don't, are there other ways to fix this problem? I mean, could sellers find out more about buyers?
2: Yes, and the government helps the insurance industry out because this is such a big problem. Governments make it illegal for you to lie to an insurance company. It's called insurance fraud. So when of the health insurer asks if you're a smoker. If you're caught lying, you'll get a criminal record. That can be enough of an incentive for people to be honest when filling out their insurance forms.
0: Businesses can also do clever things to get customers to reveal a bit more about themselves. Not just asking them questions... One strategy is a seller might charge a high deductible for an insurance policy. Let's say you're buying auto insurance and you you get offered a policy with a $3,000 deductible. Is that a policy you might consider, Naz?
1: Yeah, so I try to be a careful driver. So if the deductible is $3,000, well, it's unlikely I'm going to get into an accident and I'm going to actually end up paying that. So yeah, I'll still buy that insurance.
0: Exactly. So a careful driver like you is more likely to buy a policy with a high deductible. Now let's take Justin. Justin's actually a terrible driver.
2: It's true. I'm awful.
0: So, Justin, would you buy this policy with a $3,000 deductible?
2: No way. The truth is I'm going to get into an accident and I don't want to have to pay $3,000. Look, I'd be willing to pay a little bit more for an insurance policy where I only had to pay a $100 deductible for each time I crashed.
0: Right. So having a high deductible is a way to weed out high-risk drivers like Justin and attract those low-risk customers like Naz.
1: The final factor we're looking at as we learn about private information is the problem of hidden actions. This sounds a little different to the previous two problems we've just gone through. It is.
0: It is. When businesses or sellers have more information about their product or when customers know more about themselves or how costly they will be for a business, we're talking about hidden types. Our dodgy used car salesman selling you a piece of junk, it's a hidden type. In this final section of the episode on private information, we're going to focus on actions, specifically hidden actions.
2: When we say hidden actions, we don't mean that you're being shifty. Well, not necessarily. But your actions can't be easily observed.
0: Speaking of shifty, Justin, economists do call these actions moral hazard. And they can be a big problem. Let's go back to insurance, which protects you against something bad happening. But having insurance can also change your behavior. Let's say you bought travel insurance before your next big trip. Now that you know someone else is going to pay all the medical bills, you might think it's worth trying out skydiving after
2: all. The problem with actions that are a moral hazard is that when your actions are hidden, you might behave differently. So, say you take out car insurance, Naz. The insurance company doesn't know if you're going to be driving with care or you'll be driving dangerously. They can't observe that.
1: You know, if I have insurance, maybe I'll be a little more reckless. Who knows? That's right. So,
0: your type, Naz, is you're a careful driver. But now that you have insurance, you might throw caution to the wind. Hang on. This sounds like a catch-22. Well, this is the problem with moral hazard. It's actions that are hidden. Once you insure against a bad thing, it's more likely that the bad thing will happen.
1: So when someone takes out travel insurance for extreme sports, for example, it's more likely they're going to be more reckless and end up needing that insurance payout. Exactly. Insurance companies must have come up with ways to protect against moral hazard.
2: There are some things businesses can do. First off, you can require these hidden actions to become, well, Observable. Let's look at car insurance. The cost for your insurance depends on a bunch of factors, including if you've made claims in the past year. So being a careful driver helps you to pay less for car insurance next year. And increasingly, car insurance companies are actually asking customers if they can monitor their driving through an app on their phone or a camera in their car.
1: This sounds pretty invasive.
2: It is, but it allows them to collect data showing if you're driving carefully or not. And if you're driving carefully, they may offer you cheaper car insurance next year. They can now observe your actions and more accurately target insurance to you.
0: They can go one step further and even help you become a safer driver by offering discounts on courses that help you drive more safely.
2: Another thing that can reduce the moral hazard problem is to give you skin in the game. With a lot of types of insurance, there's a deductible, an amount you have to pay before you can claim the rest of your costs. Having that deductible gives you an incentive to not have to claim insurance.
1: And let's say I did buy that car insurance with a deductible of $3,000 on any claim I make. How does this get around moral hazard?
2: If you have to pay the first $3,000 of any claim, that's an incentive for you not to make claims unless you really need to. It's an incentive to drive more safely.
0: The government can also ban certain behaviours. For instance, laws that prevent speeding help prevent the moral hazard that people with insurance might drive too fast. If you face a fine for driving too fast, then, well, now you face a strong deterrent that will lead you to drive more safely, making you less likely to make an insurance claim.
1: Let me try to summarize. With private information, it's all about when I know something you don't know, or you know something I don't know.
0: Yep, that's the problem of private information. Basically, if you know something I don't, I've got a good reason to mistrust you. And if I know something you don't, you've got a good reason to mistrust me. The fog of mistrust can make it hard for us to do business together.
2: When sellers know something buyers don't, we can get the lemons problem. If you can't tell if you're buying a high-quality product or a lemon, then you won't pay more for a quality car. So folks with good cars or good products are going to be less likely to sell them. And if most of the products being offered for sale are lemons, then buyers are less interested.
0: And when buyers know something that sellers don't, say they're a high- or low-cost buyer, then sellers can't tailor their prices to different groups. That all-you-can-eat buffet is going to attract exactly the customers you don't want, like the Michigan football team. The customers you get aren't the customers you want. And this is a big deal for insurance companies because health insurance is most attractive to sick people. Travel insurance is most attractive for skydivers. And divorce insurance is most attractive for philanderers.
2: These are all problems that arise when the type of buyer or seller is unclear, and it's called adverse selection. But similar problems arise when the actions you take aren't observed. Moral hazard refers to these actions you take, like speeding, because you think you won't get caught and you won't bear the consequences of your actions.
1: is there anything you want our listeners to think about over the next few days? Well, in each of your interactions
0: over the next few days, I want you to think about how important information is and whether the other person might know something that you don't.
2: And think about what you know that they don't.
0: And it's those asymmetries that can undermine trust between you. Of course, your real goal is to find creative
1: ways to restore the trust. Betsy, Justin, thank you for digging into the problem of private information today.
2: It has hopefully this episode helped solve a private information problem. At the start of today, I knew about moral hazard and adverse selection, and you didn't.
0: So we've solved that information problem. Now you and our listeners just need to go out there and tackle the other information problems that you face as you go about your daily life. To get the most out of this show, check out our bonus episodes and supplemental materials, available only on the Himalaya Learning platform.
2: Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts such as Arianna Huffington, Malcolm Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, and more for you to enjoy in the app, on the go.
0: Go to himalaya.com slash econ and enter promo code econ, E-C-O-N, at checkout for your first 14 days free.
2: It's time